Process webinar podcast series. In this installment, Sarah Wright discusses an effort to recycle unwanted household goods at North Carolina State University. Today I wanted to speak with you about and share um, an economic sustainability program that one of the undergraduate students at NC State actually created last academic year, and she received grant funding for that program, and I worked um, with her on that, and it is directly related to providing resources for under-resourced college students, and so hopefully it is a program that can be duplicated um, with other low-income students. So, As David said, I work at NC State uh, University. It's a land-grant research one institution serving about 32,000 students. And the um, intern who created the program, Taylor Spoon, she um, graduated in May 2016 and is now working in sociological research. Um, And she's hoping to go on to graduate work in sociology. And she worked with me with under-resourced college students as part of an internship program through her sociology major requirement. I work in the TRIO program with student support services. Um, So hopefully many of you are aware of that. It's a federally funded program where we serve low-income first-generation college students on college campuses. Currently, I work with about 240 undergraduate students in all different majors and all different um, levels, first year through graduating seniors. And um, I first got involved with Framework of Poverty when I worked for Big Brothers Big Sisters. And then it directly impacted the way that I look at my job as of serving low-income first-generation students in that I don't have control over giving the student more money, but I do have the opportunity and the ability to provide more resources to those students. And actually, the providing more resources to a student is more sustainable than me attempting to get them you know, $500 cash this semester to get them out of a, an emergency situation. Um, So I'll go into a little bit more about that, and um, I'm just checking my notes here. Oh, about NC State, actually, the current problem on our campus is that one of the good things is that NC State is ranked as one of the most affordable institutions in the United States. However, it's um, important to note that 25% of all North Carolina students are listed in poverty, and 39% of those residents were um, defined as low income um, in the state of North Carolina. And it's our mission to serve the students of North Carolina. And the you know over 80% of the students that um, I serve specifically are North Carolina residents. So they're coming from um, a family that's impoverished, doesn't have access to resources, and then coming on to campus. So even though the tuition may be affordable, they still don't have, they're not coming with the amount of resources that they may need to be successful. And so that's where um, one of the interventions that we came up with 
is uh, pack to pack and so you'll see um, the slide you can focus on that and you'll see me look at the slide more than the camera so I apologize if that's awkward um, so what we came up with is that we wanted to have the students not spend as much of their financial aid money on furniture household items that that money needed to be devoted to more um, important crucial um, activities that benefited their academic and career so we wanted to make sure to get these items to the student um, in the best way possible so one of the challenges for a student is that you may say oh we'll go to goodwill or um, yet yeah, that that donor can leave those items at their house however most of our students don't have transportation don't have access to the type of transportation they would need to pick up those items and so that was part of the issue was breaking down the challenges of a program where the donor interacted directly with the student um, and then it became economically sustainable but also environmentally with regard to saving all of this furniture and items from the dump you know being discarded that if they're able to be used hopefully that they can be used and appreciated by students who need them um, where we talked about Taylor and myself and then the other um, very important um, kind of people involved in pack to pack were all the community members we had you know numbers and numbers of alumni staff faculty students who donated items and donated time and donated um, just their volunteering efforts and their expertise and that was just amazing and that's one of the things that I like about working on a college campus so much is that usually I'm never told no when I ask for something for an under-resourced student I actually get more um, active support than if I don't ask so the issue is with regard to getting the student more money for low-income students they have a cap with regard to how much financial aid they can actually accept so that that amount of financial aid is determined by the cost of attendance and their family's household or status of their expected or estimated family contribution so the students that we serve have a zero EFC so that means that the government has said this family has no means whatsoever to provide any resources to the college student so then with no resources however the financial aid office can only in at NC State University it's twenty two thousand dollars so once that student is provided twenty two thousand dollars in financial aid funds regardless of the situation regardless of any other factors that student cannot access any more money so uh, federal law so the cost of attendance which you'll want to look at at your university is determined by certain factors and so you want to look at what is included in that cost of attendance and one home furnishings household items etc are not within that budget 
but also what our college is focusing on is high impact activities. That research has showed that the more college students engage in high impact activities, the more successful they are at that campus and then within their career. So um, for us, how we define high impact activities are study abroad, service learning projects, research um, assistantships, internships, um, student engagement that may be student government or participating in one of the active organizations on campus, um, especially in a leadership role. Um, so many of those require a large amount of money, especially study abroad. Um, that may be between $3,000 and $12,000 that are required. Um, funding that the student may receive for study abroad does not include um, airline, passport expenses, getting the specific um, immunizations, et cetera. And then with service learning um, trips, that is usually all unpaid and the student may not be able to leave campus to go on that service learning trip because they need to be um, to stay at their job. And then with a lot of the student engagement activities, again, that's volunteer. So the amount of time that they're spending in those um, leadership positions is time that they're not working. And that is a huge um, issue for our students who are struggling to meet the basic needs of shelter and food. Um, with regard to internships and research assistantships, some are paid, but as you know, many are not. Um, also, there's the requirement for the clothing required, transportation to and from that internship, research assistantship. Um, it may not be very flexible that they have to have a strict schedule. Therefore, it's difficult for them to work around their part-time job schedules. So with that, the financial aid does not cover or take into account any of those factors. So then it kind of equates into the fact that under-resourced students are restricted economically from participating or even having access to those high-impact activities, therefore putting them in a, a status of being less competitive for graduate school and different careers. And as the research has shown that human resource professionals do not view um, part-time employment or full-time employment as a college student as highly, they don't respect it as much as they do a study abroad trip or research experience. Um, then well, on a college campus, as you probably know, that there's a lot of assumed financial resources. And so these assumptions are ones that my students have um, encountered with interacting with staff and um, faculty regarding the attempt to gain access into those high-impact activities. So they're told often that they need to ask their parents for the money. Uh, many of our students are um, graduates of the foster care system, and as the federal government has determined with regard to their financial aid package, the parents are unable to provide any resources whatsoever with that EFC of zero. 
and many of our students, their parent situation is um, very sensitive and the students aren't going to feel comfortable enough to share why they can't ask their parents. So when that student, when that staff says, well, why don't you ask your parents? That student may not follow up and advocate for themselves because they don't feel comfortable sharing, well, my parents incarcerated, so I can't ask him or her. Um, they don't have a job beyond um, an hourly wage. There's no way um, they have access to funds. The most recent situation was that a student's parents going through bankruptcy and the student did not feel comfortable in any way of sharing that with the staff person. Um, scholarships. The piece with scholarships is that once that scholarship is um, even touched by the university, that goes into their total cost of attendance. So again, that student can only receive a certain amount of money. So that scholarship you can't be used and won't be to cover those airline expenses. It'll be covered the entire cost of the study abroad trip of being enrolled in the six credits and any activities that they have during that study abroad trip. But those scholarships cannot be used for airline tickets, passports, international health insurance, immunizations, etc. GoFundMe accounts. Um, the issue that we've come up with with GoFundMe accounts is that with under-resourced students, they don't have a connection with people who have access to resources to donate. So within that under-resourced family, the people that they have the closest connection with also don't have resources to donate to a study abroad trip, per se, that all of their resources are being devoted to food, shelter, et cetera. Um, so the ability to have people actually donate to the GoFundMe account is much less than a student who already comes from a family or an area with a, a great amount of resources. So whoever they send out to that GoFundMe does have available cash to donate. And savings account, you know, the whole, um, the belief system or the assumption that, well, your parents should have saved for you to go to college. You should be saving your money to plan for this study abroad trip. And as you know, that most, you know, students don't have the amount of money to actually put into savings. And then also the impact of an emergency expense. So um, they have a flat tire that takes that money to buy a new tire, have that tire put on, the amount of time that took them to make that um, car um, repair was time that they took out of being able to go to work, et cetera. So the ability to provide, to put away savings, that savings of $1,800 to pay for a plane ticket to China is not possible. So our solution was to add a resource by the university can't cap resources we make available to students. And we have depended upon that fact um, every day with our students. We add as many resources as possible. 
We have an on-campus um, food pantry. We have a free clothes closet with free professional clothing for students. We assist with them gaining access to SNAP benefits, um, et cetera. So now we're addressing them with the quality of their shelter. So that's the piece of the poverty is the lack of resources. And so we want to ex expand the number of resources students have. The other piece that was the unintended benefit of this program that from us putting out our um, connections, making relationships with faculty, staff, alumni, and other community members asking for their donations, we ended up educating them about the status of low-income college students. And then from there, we've received additional donations and other forms of support. So with having this program, faculty then have become more involved and have reached out and are learning or appear to be learning to have much more empathy to the situation of a low-income student rather than um, condemning them for not having the resources or for having to prioritize work over class. So um, that has been great that our office now has a much stronger and larger network on campus of people who support us and want to learn more about our student population. And then obviously it increases the resources on campus. And one of the other unintended benefits was that the students were so thankful for all these donations. They had a sense of enrichment that their community cares about them. <laughs> all emotional. Um, and so that's the piece of that they know that they can ask for help and that help will be given. That they're asking for help and admitting that they don't have resources doesn't mean that they're going to be shamed for that. That they're actually going to receive compassion and an actual solution to their problem. So this is Pack to Pack. This is a logo that Taylor developed. And the piece with the green arrow um, was very important because the grant that she um, applied to and gained funding was a sustainability grant. And so she wanted to focus on that, taking the environmental sustainability label and placing it on household items. So again, as I said, the University Sustainability Office provided grant funding. And we received $5,000. And that $5,000 covered moving trucks, professional movers, storage space, um, and then upgrading those donations. And so we started collecting in May, and we collected throughout the entire summer. And then the, we had the store where we gave out the donations during the week before classes started. So we um, solicited for those new and gently used items. We came up with a very strict list of what we could accept or would accept, and then the quality of those items, um, what we wouldn't accept, um, et cetera. And so like it was legal, you can't ex legally you can't accept used mattresses. So we um, Taylor surveyed um, our student groups to see what they needed, and then we very specifically reached out to get more of those items if they weren't being generally donated. Um, we did that on Facebook, the, all the university 
in the university alumni Facebook pages, faculty Facebook pages, student group Facebook pages, etc. Um, Taylor would, would scour the Craigslist um, free section and then she would go pick up those items that she thought were appropriate for the students from that free list. Um, I put it out on campus listservs, so anything that would um, go to any faculty, staff, or student. And then I specifically invited our campus partners, those people who are already very connected and supportive of under-resourced students on campus. I put out a, a direct request and then requested them to advocate on our behalf in their organizations and their even personal life. So their um, churches, synagogues, their neighborhoods, etc. And then the media, there was um, articles posted on the NC State website um, regarding Taylor's initiative. Um, there was a request for radio interviews, etc. So then we went to collect all the donations from all of our work, getting the um, people to know what we wanted. So we obviously selected the appropriate items. In the beginning, we had volunteer movers. Um, and then we had uh, rented university moving trucks, which were a lot cheaper than professional moving trucks. And the volunteer movers ended up actually being the students who were going to benefit from the um, furniture and household items when it worked out because those are the students I know mostly and when I put out the request for students the students who had already had a relationship with me were more likely um, to respond saying that they would um, help out. We worked on the logistics of collections because they came from all over the triad area which is um, an hour kind of in each direction and so in some cases we had to decide whether it was worth the travel to go get the item based upon the quality of their items um, and the distance and we scheduled days based upon picking up the items that were in a cluster of the actual um, specific geographic area. We provided tax deductible forms to all the um, donators and then we worked to improve the quality of the donations and so we took out scratches um, we replaced glass replaced handles etc so here's a picture of the volunteers moving items and so on 90 degree days we were moving couches out of third floor apartments etc so we had a couple volunteers never return after that the first days um, so it was tough work um, and then how we distribute the goods we planned pop-up stores and so we used university um, buildings because they were free uh, to rent and then it was a central place on campus for the students to come to um, again because our students don't have access to reliable transportation most of the time um, and then we actually had volunteers who would assist the students individual students if they had larger items that they needed um, delivered to a place like across campus the larger furniture we um, had the pop-up store at the actual storage unit 
And so we had specific days where they could come and select their items. And if they did not have access to moving transportation, then we just scheduled that delivery to them. And then we provided the movers and the moving truck to do that for them. Um, we formally invited our target population. And so that was the PAC Promise Program, which is a financial aid program that serves students with an EFC of zero. And there's about 500 students. And then we also invited the TRIO students, which were approximately 240. And um, a lot of those students are in both programs. Um, again, we surveyed the students to make sure that the on-campus students would come to the certain pop-up store that had more on-campus living appropriate needs. And then um, for the off-campus students, we made sure they came to the pop-up stores that best met their needs. We had to plan a shopping limit um, because we weren't sure, one, how many people were actually going to show up. And then we wanted to make sure that we had items throughout the week to, um, in case a student couldn't come to the actual pop-up store, that they could then come and select items. Um, at a time that was more convenient for them. And so each student had the opportunity for like basically five items and they could choose what those were. We advertised the pop-up stores obviously to those students and, and um, invited them, you know, like every other day so they wouldn't forget. And then we had uh, staff um, and student volunteers at the pop-up stores. So we had check-in, um, obviously, to record who was coming. And then we had an entire academic building there, the first floor in each of the different rooms was a different area. So bedding, household items, et cetera, were all separated. And then there was um, basically shopping assistance in each of those rooms to assist the student in selecting an item and then collecting it um, so that when they left, they could take all of their items at one time. They didn't have to carry the items around as they continued to shop. Um, the piece with the beautification, we again had more volunteers and even alumni volunteered to with skills and their own tools to help improve the items. And then here's uh, pictures of the pop-up store before uh, students got there. And we were um, really blessed to actually have brand new bedding donated from Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, um, and other stores with brand new towels, um, et cetera. And then the shopping area, you see how it was um, divided out we just used the, t the tables that were actually in the um, building, in the rooms. Um, so it went really, really well. We had a line outside of the building like 15 minutes before it started. And we actually think between 250 and 300 students actually um, were able to get at least one item. Um, so in response to the actual program, um, one of the students was, you know, really, really thankful for the opportunity. And she stated, I just wanted not to have to sleep on the floor. <laughs> Again, it's emotional. Um, 
and that this is amazing and that and you may also be aware that we have students sleeping on floors when most people think of a traditional college student of having everything they need and this was a big deal for faculty and staff on campus to realize the conditions that students and the sacrifices the students are making um, to be at NC State. And for students like this one who says, you know, I just wanted not to sleep on the floor, but sleeping on the floor was an option. We have many students who've spent time living in tents, um, spent time living in trailers that weren't hooked up to water, electricity, etc. So sleeping on a floor, they could handle it. Um, but is that the conditions that a successful student at a, you know, a very high demand university should be living in to be successful? Um, a faculty donor, it meant a lot to me to be able to give back to these students who have a special place in my heart. So this um, donor, I know specific, uh, specifically who she is. She moved to, uh, she had to relocate to another state. She allowed us to come in before she moved out all of her items and we could pick anything that we wanted. So it was amazing items, amazing um, diversity of items that we were able to select. And the student volunteer, I know what it feels like to need help and to be able to help someone is a good feeling. And that's the piece with the volunteers. We didn't have to beg for volunteers. They wanted to be a part of giving to students who they know, knew had no other options of getting um, those resources. So our next step, which we're having difficulty, which is um, what we're trying to figure out how to do, is that pack to pack no longer has a home or a department to sponsor it. And so we're trying to figure out and negotiate how do we have pack to pack um, be a part of the campus so that it can be maintained and sustainable, that it is not just a one and done deal with Taylor, um, that she's the only reason it went on. And so when she leaves, she's left, um, then that program dies. We want to be able, to, and we're still working on finding an, a, either a student organization or a department on campus or an alumni organization to um, house the program under. We also need to secure long-term agreements for that affordable moving and movers and storage. So even if we find a student organization who will um, provide pack-to-pack -pack services, you know, between May and August, we still need um, affordable um, options if we can't receive grant funding again and again and again. So with those affordable agreements, it would make it much easier and less intimidating for an organization or an academic or a campus department to take it on. Um, and then again, establish a, val a valued role on campus that hopefully with all of our networking um, from last summer that we can work so that even more people on campus understand what sacrifices under-resourced students are making and that there is a very doable way to ensure that they actually have access to resources that I know faculty and staff are assuming those students do. I know faculties and staff 
assume that a student has a stable and safe place to live while they're on campus. And I know they assume that the student has the basic home items to make it comfortable for them um, to live while on campus. So that's all I had to plan to share, but if you have other specific questions, comments, if you'd like to share um, a similar program or other resources that you were able to provide to your students, um, I'd love to hear from you all. You can go to the NC State website, ncsu.edu, and then search pack to pack, search my name, um, and then you'll find the different articles and the different ways so the OBB, that's an actual benefits through the state or through the campus, um, because that's the thing that we've worked at is getting a lot of our, yes, yeah, state, is getting a lot of our resources to be offered on campus with regard to transportation and making it easily available. And then also to keep that social capital going so that even when we provide students with resources, faculty and staff and other students see that. It's you know kind of like in their face. Um, and then the other piece too that is a tough part for us is that because North Carolina um, is so economically disadvantaged and our current um, government is, um, state government is pulling away resources rather than increasing resources, even a lot of the food pantries around the campus area cannot handle um, our college students going to their pantries. And so that's ended up being a pretty tough situation where our local community is even struggling. Um, Ruth has asked if, if um, you guys put a yeah. dollar amount on what was donated. Um, we tried to. Um, it was a little bit um, difficult because we weren't planning for the amount of donations that we actually received. Um, we ex actually received like three to four times more than we were hoping for. So we attempted to do that in the beginning, but then in the end of July and August, we were spending all of our time just to, to get them um, into the different storage units. But like for instance, the bedding, we probably had 50 bedding sets, you know, and they were brand new. So if you look at a bedding set, which may range from 50 to $80 or more. Um, so we had all those brand new items. We had different interior decorators um, donate a lot of items that were near to new. And again, um, we didn't have the kind of time or wanted to put our, resources devoted devoted to um, looking up what the actual cost of that item would be. Um, but we were very um, strict on what we would accept. And so I believe most of the items um, would have been quite expensive, you know, or a higher amount, nothing, you know, below five dollars, et cetera. Um, I want to uh, thank uh... Sarah for, for joining us here and for um, taking time out of her day. Thanks again. This has been an AHA Process webinar podcast. Visit ahaprocess.com for more.
music courtesy of sound.com. 